Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There is no law against these things. We've been talking a lot about the law. We've been talking a lot about boundaries. There's some things that there are no laws, no boundaries for. We just read them right there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The title of the message today is, I was was tied between two. It's either no limit or limitless. It doesn't matter. There's just freedom today. There's no limit. There's joy in the house when you are walking with no limits in the fruits of the Spirit. All these things should exist. They should be present. So right now, if you're wondering, like, am I walking, am I living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Or are there other spirits trying to attack me, trying to get me off course, trying to get me out of place, out of my assignment? That's what's going on in this season. This is a season where you've been assigned, but the enemy wants to get you off your assignment. He's given you a task from the Lord, but the enemy wants to get you distracted and distraught. He wants to get you down and out to get you off of your assignment. You've been given an assignment, and the enemy knows if you stay on assignment, if you walk in obedience, there's going to be fruitfulness that comes from that. There's always fruitfulness when we walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, when we let him guide our lives. That's what this whole passage is about, living by the Spirit's power. There is fruitfulness that results. If you're not seeing fruit, the enemy's probably gotten you off your assignment. He's probably gotten you into a place of disobedience. Even if it was a small step off course, somewhere along the way, he got you to veer a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, and you've stepped out of obedience where he's called you to be, to the assigned place. This is a moment to make a course correction and get back on assignment, to get back inside of the place where there's no limits, there's no laws. You walk in complete freedom and fullness of his Holy Spirit. And so as we go through that, are you filled with love today? Are you filled with joy? Are you filled with peace? Are you filled with patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law. There's no limit against these things. But when we go through those things, is there something the Holy Spirit's highlighting to you saying, no, no, no. You're not letting me guide you in this area. Because you're not listening to my voice, because you're not walking in the assignment I've given you, you don't feel that joy. Or you don't feel that peace. You don't sense that peace over your life. There's only anxiety and worry. He wants to get you back in alignment. That's what he wants to do today. He wants to realign us. We've been looking at this Old Testament story, and maybe you realized it, maybe you didn't realize it, but we've been going through all these boundaries and territories in the Old Testament. Last week we talked about Joshua taking over and leading for Moses. And there's this place in Joshua, Joshua chapter 12. I I was going to read you all of them, but I'm like, "Uh, I won't make you sit through all of them. 
Joshua 12, 1 through 24, he starts listing off. As Joshua leads the people into the promised land, he starts listing off here every king, every ruler, every authority that the Lord takes down, that the Lord brings victory to his people over. It starts when Moses is leading and they take out King Sihon and King Og. And then when Joshua takes over, they take over another 31 kings. There's a whole list of them there in Joshua. As they take the promised land, they take the territory that God had freed them out of slavery for, and they step into the promised land. 33 kings, 33 armies, and God uses a group of slaves out of Egypt to take each and every one of them down. They weren't equipped like these armies. They weren't trained like these armies. They didn't have a king like this army, but they had a heavenly king. They were slaves, and God used them to slay kings, to slay giants, to destroy dynasties. Joshua 24, verse 8. This is near the end of Joshua's leadership. He's an old man at this time. They've taken much of the promised land, but not quite all of it. There's still more battles to be fought, but Joshua's reaching the age where the Lord tells him, all right, it's time for you to retire. Joshua chapter 24, verse 8. Finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of their land. Then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, started a war against Israel. He summoned Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you from Balak. When you crossed the Jordan River and you came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the the Jebusites. But I gave you victory over them. And I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build. The towns where you are now living, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors? that they serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua gives the people this moment. He tells them, listen, I don't know what you're gonna do, but I know for me and my family, we're gonna serve the Lord. There's other gods. There's other idols. There's other ways you can go. You can go to the left. You can go to the right. Joshua says, for me and my family, we're going to stay on this path and we're going to keep walking along the path that he's called us to. 
Verse 16, the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. It's easy on Sunday to say these things. It's easy when we're gathered up together. This is what they're doing. All the people, they're gathered up together as one people. And they make this commitment to Joshua. They say, yeah, yeah, we're going to serve him too. We're going to follow him also. We're all in with you. You and your family, that's where we're going. We're following the Lord. It's easy on Sunday, but when we split up and we go our own ways throughout the week, and we've been away from the body for a while, this is why we gather every Sunday. It's a chance to get realigned with his word. It's a chance for him to give us marching orders, to continue to go forward in unity to what he's called us to. But as they go back to all their lands, all their homes, they forget the promise and the covenant that they made that day. And that's where we find ourselves today. The next book is a book called Judges. And Judges is a constant cycle of the people straying away from the one true God and chasing after the gods of this world. But then he raises up a judge and there's repentance and there's revival and there's life in the land again and they begin to follow after him. They begin to walk in his ways again. But it's a cycle over and over again. God comes in and saves and delivers and 40, 30, 20 years later they forget again and they just go back to all these other gods. They go back to all these other idols. That's where we find ourselves. Judges chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Remember all those years ago, they had said, we're all in. Joshua, you and your family, we're going to follow the same way. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Some of us, we've been going through something, and we've been going through it for seven days, and that feels too long. Just imagine seven years, you've been handed over to your enemies. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They suffocated the land. When we turn away from him and he just hands us over to our own devices, and he says, hey, if this is what you want, if you want to step outside of my protection, if you want to step outside of relationship with me, Okay, he's not going to force you in. And so when we step outside, we are handed over to our enemies. And it feels like a horde of locusts. It is suffocating outside of God's camp. It is suffocating. And it is hopeless. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. 
For seven years, they put up with it. For seven years, they lived in the wasteland. They lived in the desert. They, they were starving. This is pride right here. For seven years, they went on like this without crying out. Finally, year seven, they said, okay, Lord, we need you now. Come back. We're done. We don't want to live like this anymore, Lord. They finally cried out to him. They kept trying and turning to these other gods. They kept looking for deliverance. They kept looking for freedom in all these other places for seven years until finally it got so bad they said, okay, this isn't working. Romans, it talks about this handing over, Romans 1, 24 through 25. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. When we keep just fighting our way to do what we want, what we desire. God just, that's what he does. He, he takes his hands off and he says, I'm not going to force you to do anything. But when you step outside of the boundaries I've set, when you step outside of the protection I've given you, you're handed over to the enemy. You are vulnerable to the enemy. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, Amen. We look in the Old Testament, we think it's so foolish. They serve all these created things, these sculptures, these idols. There were real gods behind them, real power, real demonic entities behind these beings. And it gave them a sense of power and control. And there's still things today that there are demonic entities hiding behind in our culture. And when we chase after them, when we chase after money, when we make money a god, when we love money more than we love God, and we put our trust and faith in our wealth, it gives us a sense of power and control, and it becomes an idol in our lives. There are spirits behind that, and they want you to worship them and follow them rather than the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can be in the promised land but feel like you're starving. They were in the promised land. They'd been delivered from slavery you can be in the promised land and still feel like you're starving, still feel like you're being suffocated. That's where these people were. Some of us as the church, we've been in the promised land. We've given our lives to Jesus. We know that we're saved, but it still feels like we're suffocating. It still feels like every day that we walk through this life, it feels like, man, there's not much to live for. It feels hopeless. It feels like there's no point in going on. We're not walking in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said when he goes, it'll be better. Because he's going to send his spirit, his comforter, his helper. And so if it feels like that today, if it feels like you're walking in suffocation, if it feels like, man, I, I know I've given my life to Jesus. I know I'm saved by the blood. I know I'm saved by the cross. But all you're living for is the day you die, and that's when you get to go to heaven. That's when you get life to the full. You're missing out on the fullness that he wants for you right here, right now. He wants us to walk in it today. You can be living in the promised land but still feel like you're starving. The only difference between us and Gideon is he could see the enemy. We don't see ours. He could see the statues, the idols up all around. He could see what he and his people had turned to. 
We forget that there's an enemy that's trying to starve us out, trying to dry us up, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit want to bring life, where the Father wants to bring growth and revelation and resurrection power, where he wants to build up the church, the enemy wants to come in and sow seeds of doubt, sow seeds of discouragement. He wants the church to feel like it's drowning, like it's pointless, like we should just give up and go home and pack up until Jesus comes back or until we die, until we leave this world. We feel like a flickering light, like we're dying out. And I'm telling you, church, that's a lie from the enemy because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So if you feel like you're starving, he wants to give you bread today. He's got bread for you today. If it feels like you're dried up, if it feels like you're parched, he wants to give you living water today. He's got living water for each and every one of us today. If it still feels like you are trapped and bound under slavery, if it still feels like the enemy keeps winning every day in your life, he wants to give you deliverance today. He wants to walk in freedom with you. He's going to walk you out of Egypt, and he's going to continue to walk with you and break every chain off you today. Because deliverance isn't a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. Every time we step into the presence of Jesus Christ, we meet freedom. He's here right now. You know it. Every time we step into the room with him, Every time his presence falls upon us, there's another level of deliverance. There's another level of freedom that he wants to bring into our lives. Judges 6, verse 7. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and I gave you their land. When you meet Jesus, he drives out the enemies. That's deliverance right there. For some of you, you didn't even realize you believed in deliverance. You're like, I I, Spiritual warfare, deliverance, all that stuff, that's kind of hokey, or I've seen videos, I don't know what it is. No, 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 if you've met Jesus, he's already driven out the enemies from your land. But slowly, what do the enemies do? They, they keep trying to come back, right? What do they, they keep coming and coming. They keep trying to get a foothold in your life. And if we're not aware of the enemy's presence and how he tries to attack and get a foothold back in our lives again after Jesus has driven them out already, It's really easy, if we're not aware of them, for them to sneak back into our lives. When he came and he rescued them out of Egypt, it says, I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and I gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. If you want to walk in freedom, listen to the Lord. If you want to walk in deliverance, if you want to walk in the fullness of life, listen to the Lord. Open it up. Read the Word. That's what we've been doing this past week. We did seven days of just sitting in the Word and reading. What were we doing? We were eating the bread of life every day. And we were learning to listen to His voice again. We're getting realigned so we can get back on assignment, so we can walk in obedience to everything He's called us to. 
This is a church that takes territory for the Lord. Everywhere we go, we carry his presence. And because you, let me tell you something, because you carry his presence, everywhere you walk, everyone you come into contact with, they experience freedom and deliverance when they meet you. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Because of who you carry within you, who has made a residence within you because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and he lives inside of you. So everywhere you walk, you carry that presence and freedom and deliverance into people's lives. And so there's some people that they just want to be around you. And you're like, I don't have time. I'm too busy. But I'm telling you, it's because they're hungry for what you have. They can see the freedom that you're starting to walk in and they can see that there's something different about you and they want it for their own life. They want that. Verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Here's this guy. I, I think of him, I, I think he was probably young. I think he was a teenager. I think low 20s, he was young. He's hiding in this wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites because they kept wiping out and taking and stealing everything because that's what the enemy does. They steal, kill, and destroy. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? The Lord didn't abandon them. They abandoned the Lord. We get it mixed up a lot. If you're in a season right now where you're mad at God, you feel like he's abandoned you, I just bind the spirit of confusion, the spirit of deceit over your life right now because that's a lie from the enemy. He wants you to blame God when really God is the only one you should turn to in this season. You're mad at God. You're bitter at God. He's the one that wants to heal and restore you in this season. He's the one that wants you to walk in fullness. The enemy, he wants to turn you against the Father. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. The Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Verse 19, Gideon hurried home. He cooked a goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. 
It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. When you meet the Lord, when you come into the presence of his Holy Spirit, you feel peace. You can feel peace right now in this room. Every worry, every anxiety, everything that was trying to hold you down this week, every fear, it's gone in the name of Jesus. It's gone in the, in the presence of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit here is his Holy Spirit. He is speaking to you right now, and he's speaking peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abiazar to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bowl from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. The one that is seven years old. The one that is seven years old. Chapter 6, verse 1, what did that say? The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. There was a born, there was a bull born that year when they first began to walk in evil. There was a sacrifice already born. The sacrifice was already coming. God had already planned. That bull had already been born. God had thought of that bull. He had thought of that sacrifice. The day they turned from him. All the way back in Eden, God had already thought of that sacrifice that we would need. The day we turned from him. That's crazy. He's such a good God. That's crazy. Once again, sometimes I'm just getting revelation as I'm up here reading. Woof. Take the second bowl from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. His own family, his own family had put up an altar to Baal and they put up an Asherah pole to worship these false gods to worship these demonic powers. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. Deuteronomy 32 verse 16, it says this, They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. This was Moses prophesying, singing over the people years before this event even happened. They offered sacrifices to demons which are not God. These false gods, there are demonic entities, powers behind them. This is what his family had chosen to worship. They had chosen to worship Baal. They had chosen to worship Asherah. Verse 18 says, You neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot the God who had given you birth.
When you come into the Lord's presence, it changes you. His presence brings freedom. Every time that we step into a room, we bring freedom for people, not because of who we are, but because of who lives inside of us. What was Gideon before he met the Lord? Do you know what Gideon said? Let me find it here. Judges 6. Ah, there it is, verse 15. If you're following along, verse 15, chapter 6. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. This is who he thought he was. This is who he believed he was. He was the least in his family. His clan was the smallest. His clan was the weakest. But when he came into the presence of the Lord, when he brought a sacrifice to the Lord and the Lord revealed himself to him, it changed who he was. You can be the weakest, you can be the smallest, you can be the sickest, but when you come into the presence of Jesus Christ, he will completely change you. He will take you from the weakest to the greatest, not because of who you are, but because of who's in you. You'll walk with power and authority like you never knew was possible. You'll walk in complete and total freedom. And so if that's you today, if you feel like, man, I'm still chained up, I'm still bound, he wants you to walk out of here in freedom today. He wants you to come in to his presence in this last song of worship. He wants you to come into this moment as we take communion together to remember who he is, to remember that he set a sacrifice years ago. He knew the sacrifice was going to be needed. And he planned it well ahead of time. And so now because of that sacrifice, now we can live and walk with no limits. We can live and walk in complete and total freedom, guided by his Holy Spirit, walking in the fullness of his Spirit. Before there was this moment, though, where he came into contact with who Jesus is, when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, when, he, when it finally clicked for him, when he got that revelation of who he was, it changed him. And it brought him to his knees in repentance. Repentance and deliverance go hand in hand. If you feel like you're bound, if you feel like you're chained up, you need to repent. You need to give it up. You need to lay it on the altar today. And then what do you need to do? You need to tear down every idol, every demonic power and stronghold that has a hold in your life today. You need to tear it down in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever spirit's been lying to you, whatever spirit's been deceiving you, whatever spirit's been trying to draw you away from walking in step with the Holy Spirit, we're going to tear it down today in the name and power of Jesus Christ. That's what happened that day. The weakest and the smallest in his clan, he decided, I'm going to tear down my dad's idols, my family's idols. I'm going to tear them down. Can you imagine that? Just think for a moment, if the youngest kid in your family started to tear away at the idols that your family worshipped, if they started to tear them down and started to say, no, 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 you thought it was this? You, you thought this was how we worshipped? You thought this is who we followed? No, 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 he's the one true God. I've met him 
and he's changed my life. And now there's fruit that goes along with that. As you begin to walk in freedom, you begin to walk in the fruit. Gideon got a piece of that fruit, and it was the peace of the Holy Spirit. He experienced that peace that day. Every insecurity about who he was, how little he mattered, it left in the presence of Jesus. Every insecurity today, Every doubt today is going to leave in the presence of Jesus. Everything you've struggled with, everything you've had a hard time believing, everything that you've just been wrestling with and saying, no, maybe, no, 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 I don't, I don't think so. I didn't. No, no. Every anxiety and worry leaves in the name of Jesus today. Every doubt about who you are leaves in the name of Jesus today. And now you walk out of here in his peace, filled with his Holy Spirit, filled to the fruit because there's no limit on the fruit. There's more and more of his presence and freedom and deliverance to experience today. And so if you've been chained, if you've been bound up, you're going to tear it down today. And some of you, you're discouraged, but you need to look back on what he's already torn down in your life. You need to look back on the idols and the demons that he's already taken down in your life. When you first stepped into relationship with him and you said yes to him, When you look back, you can see the strongholds he's already torn down. And you know what that is? What is it? It's fuel for the fire. What did he do with the Asherah pole? He threw it in the fire. And we start to fan the flame within us. So when you start to doubt who he is and how he's working in your life, you look back on the idols he's already torn down. You look back on the freedom he's already given you. And you remember those idols, they're fuel for the fire. Because you're walking in freedom. You're walking in peace. You're walking in joy today. And if there's any fruit that you've been lacking, you're going to walk in fullness of it as you leave today. I'm prophesying that over you. Because guess what? Before there's deliverance, there's prophecy. I had a hard time understanding that. I didn't realize Two and a half years ago, when we were first just thinking and talking about starting this church, I was coming out of one of the most discouraging seasons of my life where I was really doubting. I, God, I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Everything I thought I was supposed to do, all the ministry I thought that you had created me for, that, that you wanted me to do, it's been taken out from me. I said, I, I don't really know what I should do with my life. I've heard managers at Costco get paid pretty good. That was where I was at in that winter. And I kept talking to my brother. I didn't realize realize he was doing this. He kept speaking these things over my life. I didn't realize he was prophesying over my life. He kept saying, you're going to start a church. You and your wife, you're going to lead a church together. And you're going to walk in more joy and more peace and more fullness than anything you've ever experienced. You're going to experience the Holy Spirit like you never knew was possible. You're going to experience intimacy with the Father that you never knew was possible. He kept saying this. I had a hard time believing it. But he just kept prophesying over me. And the more he prophesied over me, I didn't realize it. But the more freedom I started to walk in in my life. Prophecy always precedes deliverance. And so I want to prophesy over you, church. The rest of 2023 is going to be the best that you've ever experienced in your life. 
You're going to walk in more fullness than you ever knew was possible. If you want to receive this today, you can just put your hands out. If you're hungry for this today, put your hands out. Say, I I want to receive it, Lord. Your family is going to be blessed like they've never been blessed before. Your kids are going to grow and know the Lord like they never knew was possible. They're going to see the Lord and they're going to see freedom in your life like you never saw in your own family. They're going to see chains coming off in the name of Jesus in his presence every day. Where there was infertility, there's going to be fertility. God's going to bring life today. Yeah, if you want to stand up and receive this, you can stand up and receive it. We're prophesying in the name of the Lord today. If you want to receive it this year, you can receive it. There's still time in 2023. If you want to see the best year of your life, he's going to finish this year like nothing else. If you want to see healing in your life because you've been sick and you've been struggling, you can receive that today. You're going to walk in more health and more strength because you're going to walk by his spirit this year. God, you're in this place. God, when when my brother spoke those words over me, I had a hard time believing it. But you kept showing me victory after victory. And anytime I've been discouraged, I just look back and I hold on to those victories and I look at the idols that you've torn down in my life and they become fuel for the fire again. And God, I pray for anyone that's discouraged in here today, anyone that's feeling doubt in here today, we bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. That voice has no power or authority here because we've come into your presence. (laughs) Woo! Man. Woo! Holy Spirit, come. God, I pray for a fresh feeling today. I pray that anyone that wants to pray in the Spirit, that they would pray in the Spirit in this moment, that they would feel the freedom that you offer, that we would come into alignment with you, Lord, that you would break every idol off our lives, every ounce of pride, everything that's been holding us back, everything that we've kept from you, that we would just lay it on the altar today, Lord. You're so good. God, there's no more slavery in this room. There's no more hole. There's no more footholds. There's no more strongholds. God, every assignment that you've given us, I pray that we would walk it out the rest of this year. Every calling you've given us, every time we hear your voice guiding us and leading us, God, I pray for your power to fill this church and that people would be overcome and overwhelmed by your love and your peace and your joy, by every fruit of your spirit. Ah, We receive that today in this moment. There's still one voice. There's still one voice trying to to keep a hold on somebody in here. There's a spirit of religion. (laughs) They keep saying, it's not supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to be messy. Father, break that chain in the name of Jesus. 
I pray every person that's been bound by that spirit, that it would be completely broken off in this moment. They would fall to their knees to worship you, that they would fall in freedom today, that they'd be filled with your Holy Spirit, that they'd be overwhelmed by your presence, that they'd be overwhelmed by the deliverance and freedom that you bring, and that they would look back on the victories that you've already won, and that it'd give them forward, give them faith to walk forward in this next season, Lord. That everything you've been preparing, everything you've been building inside them, everything you've wired and created them to do, that the enemy doesn't want them to do, that they would step into it in the name of Jesus today because they're gonna walk in the fullness of your spirit and there's places that they can walk today that they can bring your presence that nobody else can because you've assigned them to that place and you've assigned them to tear down the idols of the enemy in those places and they're gonna bring freedom and deliverance wherever they go because they carry your presence. Holy Spirit, come today as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.